0: Right, so basically, uh, what I'm doing today is uh, introducing the, our series on 1 Corinthians chapter 13. <laughs> and uh, really, it's about love being a better way for us to live with. And basically, I'm looking today at the context of uh, the chapter, you know, because it's such an important chapter, a central chapter in the Bible about love and love. That never fails us, a love that is greater than even faith and hope we will see, a love that has to be in action, demonstrating who God is. So it's an absolutely crucial chapter. We will see that without love, our best effort and achievement are nothing. So we are called to do everything with love. And really, our hearts for the series is that we will all be more secure. In God loves and able to flow out of love you know and love others yes. as God loved us Amen. okay Amen. so that's really our awful this is quite a straightforward chapter okay but the main problem is our over familiarity with the text mm-hmm. I mean we're talking about the the probably the most famous chapter of the Bible, Amen. after the Lord is my shepherd, Psalm 23, and then there's a couple of verses like, God so loved, you know, the world that he, you know, John 3, 16. So, you know, but after, if we talk uh, in terms of all chapter, this is probably one of the most famous. It's up there, everybody knows it, even the non christian know this chapter, right? Yeah. Okay? And actually, uh, what I would say, sorry, changing my thing, if it works. i closed the to And if we are really honest with it, um, we're thinking, well, I've heard this one so many times. How many people have been to a wedding where this was present as a reading or a text? Yes, show of hands, you can see almost everybody, right? Okay? So there is a scene in a comedy called uh, Wedding Crashes. I don't know if you've seen it. Don't recommend it. It's really rubbish, but it's funny. And the priest goes, um, you know, And now, for the second reading, I would like to invite Sister Gloria to the lectern. And there's Owen Wilson with his mate and the crushing weddings, you know, they're they're the two in there. And then he goes, 20 bucks, it's one (laughs) Corinthian. And just as he said, you know, Gloria from the lectern starts, love is kind, love is kind. (laughs) And he goes, love is kind. Love his page, so you know, like he scored every time because he knew it was the text going on. So, you know, all the familiarity is our problem. This makes really the chapter difficult because we are blasé, yeah, hey, yeah, déjà vu, uh, you know, and we're like, oh, not again. Actually, as a matter of fact, when Jamie said to, to me, I think we really should do one and I'm like, really? <laughs> I, I couldn't really, really understand why we would do it again. Not again! I was like no. Uh, anyway, so that could be our reaction. I think if we're honest, all of us we're like oh, really? What am I going to learn? Because I you know I know this chapter really well. The second reaction we could have is one who is very sentimental. Oh, it's such a lovely chapter. It's so sweet and beautiful and romantic. Okay. <laughs> you know, you picturing Jack and Rose on the Titanic. See and my heart will go on, you know. <laughs> That's one, you know, love is gone. But actually, I have to tell you, if we look at the context, it's really clear that Paul, when he was writing it, they would never have received the passage like that. Mm-hmm. as sweet, or beautiful, or poetic. They, they didn't think that at all. They really uh, would have actually said, oh, what is he talking about? They would have been shocked and it would have been quite heavily weighted for them. It would have been almost like a, Soft, probably slap on the face, yeah? It would have been Paul going, hey, wake up. You know, I'm going to show you even a better way, okay? And their reaction at the end of the chapter, the one that Paul was expecting was like, oh, oh, God, forgive me for acting so unlovingly. Forgive me that I am not always uh, thinking of others. Uh, but i am put myself for, uh, first, forgive me, that would have been the reaction Paul would have expected. So nothing like, oh, sweet and lovely, no, like we would expect, okay? That's the reaction Paul would, e- would expect. Now, why? Why would they have had that reaction? Because if you read the context in chapter 12, Paul speaks to the Corinthian church about the spiritual gifts, Amen. okay? And he tells them about desiring gifts, especially the gifts that are edifying the whole body of Christ-like prophecy, okay? And we know from the context, and even from later on in Corinthians 14, the Corinthian, they were elevating specific gifts, like the gifts of tongues above all of the gifts. And they didn't get that... What was really important with the gift is to edify each other and build the body of Christ. They were more pursuing what they felt was impressive and uh, they didn't regard the others. It was more about, yes, look at me, I've got the tongue, blah you know? And, and they were not even considering the non believer would become amongst them. You, you see what I'm saying? They were looking for the impressive gifts, not for edifying each other, okay? And the second thing we know from uh, 1 Corinthians 12 is it says Paul talks really there about the unity of the body of Christ okay everybody is called to play a part you know one is the eye one is but everything needs to function really well in unity that's the body of Christ okay uh, really basically the Corinthians they were a little bit like competing with each other for which gift they're going to have and who's going to be at the top and they were boasting about their gifts and their contribution and it was all about them, you know, <laughs> making a tara. okay? So that's the context. Now, it's what Paul hands the chapter 12 by telling desire the great gifts and the great gifts are the ones that are the most useful to strengthen the body of Christ. It's about love, unity, each other growing. It's not about you, it's about us together, unity. And then suddenly it drops this bombshell in chapter 13. He goes, so he just said, desire the greater gift, the one that the most useful. Okay. And he goes, and yet. It's very important when you read the Epistle of Paul, there's always little words like that that changes everything. Therefore, there is no condemnation. Mm. You know, there's these turning phrases who come. And in this one is, and yet, in some translation it says, but now. So I've said all of that, and yet. This is, you know, this is the showstopper. And the showstopper is, I will show you. The most excellent way. So when you see that, you need to stop and think, oh, this is important. It just it's just all means important. And yet I will show you the most excellent way. Excellent way. And I'm like, what? Paul, 31st verses on a deep instruction and theological understanding about the gift and the ministry, the body of Christ. 31 verses and a bombshell in chapter 13 that literally obliterates everything in three verses. Desire the great, great gift and yet, I will show you a most excellent way because you can have all the gifts, but if you don't have love, you are nothing, you have nothing, it's useless. Boom! That's the bombshell, okay? And that's how the chapter starts. Okay, so, Let's have a little look at the, what it says about that. Okay, so I'm looking at the three first uh, verse first. So it, let's read it. Uh, if I speak in the tongues of man or uh, of angels, but not have love, I am only a resigning gong or a clanging sample. And if I have the gift of prophecy I, and I can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have faith that can move mountains, mountain, I do not have love, then I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor, and I give over my body to a hardship that I may boast but do not have love, I gain nothing. Okay? This three verses are like Intense, right? So first thing, what does it say really? First one, I can have the most impressive, eloquent speech. So, you know, tongues of man's speech, I can be eloquent, I can speak very well, I can teach very well. Or spiritual speech, so tongue or any kind of gifts. With that love, I'm just a clanging, crashing noise. I'm like a gong, I'm like a cymbal. So, what does it mean? It means that without love, what I'm going to speak out, okay, will just be loud and maybe impressive, but not useful, completely ineffective. And actually, we could go to the next level. it might even be unpleasant. Because, I mean, usually the cymbals and the gongs are really nice instruments, but they are usually played with an orchestra or played with some others. I mean, by themselves, they're very unpleasant and very clunky and crushy. So basically, you could have the best pitch, the best harmony and, you know, be eloquent, but if you don't have love you will be a crushing sound. You'll be completely ineffective. And I think, really, when we look at the context of church, um, you know, have you ever noticed, like, some people um, might give a a prophetic word, but somehow it feels a little bit judgy, and it it kind of condemns you a little bit there, and you kind of, like, you can't really completely fully receive or you feel condemned. I think that's an application of that. So that's, it's it's a, yeah, the prophetics... It uh, sounded really great, but actually it was without love, and it felt a little bit like, yeah, yeah. Not very, not very pleasant, not very elo- eloquent. Now, have you ever noticed, like, a brother might come uh, um, alongside you and give you an advice, but somehow the advice feels a little bit, like, uncompassionate and a little bit without love. And you, you don't really want to follow it, do you? So effectively, it's, it's, it's useless. The advice might be good, but it was without love, with what we, what we needed, with the support, with the loving of each other, the compassion. You know, I would even go further. Most hurt and most abuse in the church happen when people do that. They, they exert their position, their power, they, you know, wisdom, but without love. And actually what they do is they go around hurting people because it doesn't have the, the oil that we, we need. For, for receiving a word that is from God. Okay? So you can be impressive, but it will sound like <sniffs> crashing noise. Second one, I can have the most amazing gift and revelation. And I can have faith and even the power to move momentum. That's a big, wow. Who wouldn't, who wouldn't want that? Amazing gift and revelation. Knowing God. Having faith. And moves, mountain. Without love, I am nothing. Remember, it's Paul speaking there. I mean, he knows what he's talking about. I mean, pretty amazing guy. He's an amazing guy. I'm teaching, right? Paul, he was like the most incredible theologian of the New Testament, and miracles were following him wherever he was. He was a man of faith, and he can tell you with confidence. I can have the most amazing gift, I can have the amazing faith and power, but with that love I am nothing. Mm-hmm. It's Paul who's saying it. So, notice, it doesn't say, if I have gifts and faith and power without love, those gifts are rubbish. No, It doesn't say the gift is rubbish. It says, it concludes, with that love I am nothing. This is an issue of identity. I am nothing. This is an uh, an issue of identity and intimacy with God. That means you can have all the spiritual thing, but if you don't have love, you are not secure in the love of God, and you are not operating from love. Therefore, you are nothing. Because the most important thing is to be known by Him. Mm. It's an identity thing, it's an identity issue. So basically he's saying, this will never satisfy you. This will never satisfy, you You can have it all, the power, but this will never satisfy you. What will satisfy is to be known by the amazing Father to know that you are a son and a daughter, that you are loved, accepted, and you can love God and He loves you in return. If you do not have this love, you are nothing. And okay, you can have all the gifts and things, but you will eventually crash out because this is not the fundamental thing. The fundamental thing is to know God and to be loved by Him. Have you ever noticed that um, it happens very frequently that people with impressive ministry and revelation burn out. I think that's the issue. Because they could operate in the most amazing gift, but certainly for whatever reason, they have not um, invested in their intimacy, identity with God. You remember when we did the tri- triangle, when you had intimacy, identity, intimacy, and power. If you operate in the power, but you forgot your relationship with God, knowing that you are loved and knowing that you are a son and daughter and adopted by God, then you will crush and burn out. He will not satisfy your soul. So power and gifts and faith, everything needs to be in court in our identity and intimacy with God, knowing daily that he loves us. He loves us. He has accepted us Hallelujah. and feed your soul with that. that. That will what will bring you the joy. That's what will bring you the joy is to Hallelujah. know that He loves you and you're able to love Him. Yeah, now finally, the last uh, verse the, the most outstanding sacrifice, giving all your possession to the poor, or even treating your body harshly. In discipline, you know, waking up at three o'clock in the morning to pray or read your Bible a lot. All of these sacrifices, it says here, it will give you nothing. You will get nothing if you do them without love. What it means here is that there won't be any reward for your sacrifices. They won't be, because God is more interested in your heart. Is more interested in your motivation. Is more interested in you walking along with him and sometimes he whisper something in your ears and then you obey. You trust and obey, and then you do something out of love for him. Not by just say, not by self-realization, I am gonna sacrifice. Look, I'm Mother Teresa. Look, I can do it. I will do it. He's not interested in that. However, if he comes along and he wrings your heart for the poor and he says to you, come on, let's do this together, that's, a, that's entirely different. You will, you will reap great reward. But if you do it in your own effort and you're sacrificing with that love, you will gain nothing. Nothing. There won't be any reward for you. So what Paul is saying there, and that's why for them it was quite a reprimand in that sense. And you've been pursuing all these gifts, guys, but can you see, you're pursuing these gifts, but if you don't have love, they're not effective, they're useless, they're like a symbol. And if you're pursuing that, but not me, you won't be satisfied. You need to be anchored in love, and then finally you will gain nothing. So love is the most excellent way. You need to love first. That's the most excellent way, the only way, okay? And finally so, um, so the chapter unfolds and it goes into defining and we will span, you know, the whole series looking at the definition of love, love is kind and etc. And then we land in the end of chap- the, the chapter and in the ending of the chapter is reinforcing what I just told you. That love is the better way, but not only it's the better way, it's the way of maturity. Okay, so let's look at the end of this chapter. So Alright, so it's a better way and it's a way of maturity. You could see in verse 11, it's talking about, you know, when we're children, we do things that children do, but then when we grow up, uh, we change our ways. Okay? And basically, what he's trying to say here through the whole three, four verses is that there will come a time where we're maturing, things are different. Yes. And what is different in this chapter, you can find in, uh, in verse 12, is that, you know, right now, we don't know very much. We have little b- bits and bobs of revelation. We see in the mirror, but we don't see face to face. But one day, we will be face to face with him, and we will know fully. We will know him for fully. That's amazing, is Think about it. What? Okay? So we shall know fully and, and we will be fully known. Oh, how amazing is it is. Okay, so, so we are maturing, we are in, on this journey where we're growing and one day we will be there where we have this relationship with God, you know, face to face, okay? So we will not see in part, but we will see fully. Therefore, the conclusion is a lot of gifts they, they're actually not very useful anymore because, obviously, and that's what it says here: love never fails. But where they are prophecies, they will cease, because what do you need to to foretell the the future when you are now face to face with God? Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So some of the gifts they will they will cease. They will not have really um, a place. You don't need to have word of knowledge because you will know fully. You will know him face to face. Can you see that? So. And then he lands in the last chapter, and that's what really I want to talk about. And now these three things remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of this is love. So we're passing another gear here. So he's already told you, you know, love is the most excellent way. It's the best way, okay, and it's the way of maturity. But now what he's saying is love is the greatest thing, it's the greatest thing, and this is why it's the greatest thing. If you have read the Epistle of Paul, you know that the uh, the, the, the theme of faith, hope, and love comes back several times. Like for the Christian, those are the three important Mm pillars, you know, faith, believing, you know, Mm -hmm. hope, in the things we can't see, but we really trust in the promise of God and love. Those are the three pillars. But he's telling you love is the greatest and this is why. If you think about it, faith is trusting God for what you cannot see. So you walk by faith while you cannot see. But one day when we see faith faith, what you face to face, what happens? You can fully see. So love is the greatest. Because faith is for now when you cannot fully see. So you've got to believe one day when you face to face. Well, that's obvious, isn't it? You believe. Okay? Now it's the same with hope. Hope is confidently expecting God to do what He promised. Okay? So if you so you you you, you hope confidently for what He promised, but when you face to face and the promise have been accomplished. There's no need for hope. You there. That's why. In that sense, faith and hope, when we will be face to face with him, will be unnecessary. Therefore, love is the greatest thing because love remains all the time. And why? It's because love is the attribute of God. Love is the essence of who God is. How about that? Love is the essence of all God is. All right? So let me conclude. This chapter, it's absolutely relevant for all Christians. Because all of us, if we are called to do something, is to actually to grow in loving God and other, like we love ourselves. It is actually in Mark, 12, verse 30 and 31, it says it's the greatest commandment of all, the only thing Jesus said we should do, love God Amen. with all your mind, Amen. Uh, all your strength, Amen. and love other. I believe it's because the essence of God is love. Amen. The essence of God is love. Amen. Okay. Uh, Shall I tell you a bit of a home truth? Um, I am absolutely convinced, okay, but you could criticize me on this, I'll take it. I'm absolutely convinced that if today the Church of Jesus Christ looks a little bit pathetic and sometimes irrelevant to most of our communities, that's because we haven't learned to love like Jesus. Yeah? Do you think? Do you think? The, the reason I'm saying that is because in John 13, verse 35, it says that loving one another is the sign by which the world will know that we are his disciple. So what it means is if we learn to love one another following the 1 of 13, we will love each other so much that the other people who are going to come and say what is this community it will point them towards the love of Christ love that's what it will be it will be a sign mm-hmm. to them mm-hmm. these people they have something Th- this, is, this is supernatural love this is not you know wedding crush love <coughs> okay this is not yeah. the love of a couple it's agape love you know, I know Jimmy will talk a little bit more about that. But it is a love that is supernatural. That means it's a love that you can still love your brothers and sisters even yeah. when they're very annoying. <laughs> okay? Even when they're very rude to you and you want to slap back. Okay. That's the that's the bottom line. Mm. That is the bottom line. And we're not very good at that. See mm-hmm. I- this persons being wrote, "It's time for changing church." Mm. Yeah, we have to be honest. I mean, you know I mean, you you all here, you have not done that, I don't know. But it, we are a little bit like that. We are a little bit like that. Mm. But instead of going, "Oh, um, what's going on in my sister or brother's life Amen. that make them react like that? Mm. And Amen. how could I tell them with love? Hallelujah. Because that's another thing, see. Mm -hmm. You know, the other day when you talked to me, well, I'm really questioning if you're really, even Christian again, because, um, you know, if you were Christian, you would not talk to me like that. Yeah, Mm -hmm. so that's okay. So what you're saying is a Christian should not talk like that, it's true. (coughs) But that's not love, you would all agree. It's a very simple. But we we, we do so many things in subtle ways. Uh, And I think even looking after each other's in our needs and things like that, what do we need? How can we encourage and support each other? You know, the world will be gobsmacked to see how we love each other if we learn this most excellent way. And that is so incredible to think about that. So incredible. So... How am I landing this thing? <laughs> Let's just pray. Let's just pray. I don't want to keep rumbling on. Father God, just show us and show me particularly. Mm-hmm. I'm praying for myself guys. Mm-hmm. Cause I can't I can you know, you 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 take your own decision, you grow up, right? Father God, I'm just asking that you show me the better way. Amen. You show me this most excellent way. Lord, that I would be able to love like you. Amen. To love like you. Thank you that the fruit of the Spirit is love. Amen. So thank you that I know I can grow it. I know I can grow it because your Holy Spirit is in me. I'm asking you, Holy Spirit, to to just activate in me this fruit of the spirit that it would be so easy that I would grow in loving people, you know, not reciprocate when it's difficult, but always think about loving people, loving people. You know, I love this verse that says, kindness leads us to repentance. Lord, let us be kind. Let us show love to people that they will know you that they would know you, and I pray, Lord, that I would be able to put this love in action, not mm. just like, uh, mm, yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't believe love is without action. Mm. I pray, Lord, that I would be able mm. to action at this love mm. for whoever, whoever How is it? in front of us, How that we would be able to love them in what they need. Mm. In your name, Jesus. Thank you for your presence. Thank you for your presence. We say we love you, Lord. We love you, Lord. Amen. Amen.